The Get Real Indie Filmcast with Jeffrey Michael Bays and Forrest Day Jr. Welcome back to the show, and uh, Forrest, um, excuse me, yeah, I'm losing my voice already. Forrest has a radio show of his own, by the way. It's not really my own, but uh, I engineer <laughs> yeah. it. I engineer it and uh, and play all your favorite polka tunes. <laughs> what? Where is this? How can we tune in? You you can actually tune in. Um, Real oldies. 1250.net on Sunday mornings. Oh, nice. Every Sunday? Every Sunday. I'm I'm not on it every Sunday, although my commercials oh, okay. are, but I'll be on it. Um, you know, I'm on it like once a month. Uh, it's okay. on Sundays from, from 10 to 1 o'clock Eastern time here in Massachusetts. So whatever 10 o'clock a.m. works out in your time zone, because I know Very you want to cool. tune in and listen to polka music. Yeah, I'm just the engineer slash live read commercial guy, but been doing okay. it for 15 years. Big deal. It's fun. Yeah. On the show today, we have uh, uh, John Trigonis. He's the guy with the hat. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he does. He's always got a hat. He always has that hat. He's recognizable as the guy with the hat. Yep. He's also a poet, a writer, and a crowdfunding Zen manager. Wow. So uh, I'm excited to uh, to listen to this. I'm not involved with this interview because I was uh, on the road while you uh, did this one. But John, uh, I've spoken with John several times, at least two times, but maybe three times. I don't know. But he's always interesting because he's a passionate guy. Yeah, he's he's actually been on the show. He was on our first uh, episode. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He was on this show. But uh, we decided to bring him back because we had so much more to ask him. And, um, you know, I, uh, I was involved in a crowdfunding campaign mm-hmm. and, uh, it really opens your eyes when you're in the midst of it. Uh, <laughs> Hey, I, I, you know, when you were crowdfunding, I still talk to you and, and... <laughs> that, that's true. Uh, uh, we like to say here on the podcast that, uh, the easiest way to get people to stop talking to you is to start a crowdfunding campaign. That's right. But I continue to talk to you. But you did, and you you actually donated, by the way. So thank I did you very because much. I donate to projects I believe in, and I believe in your project. You're going to get lots of emails now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk to uh, the I would say the leading expert in crowdfunding for on the filmmaking uh, scene, anyway. Yeah, he knows his stuff. Yeah. Um, I just got um, in the mail uh, a copy of the new Movie Maker magazine. Okay. Now this is a this is a good magazine, by the way, and I've just I've just now because I've actually written for this magazine, and that's not why I'm saying it's good. But um, I I subscribed recently because they had a, a pretty good deal on mm-hmm. uh, they had a sale, so I decided eh, I might as well I might as well get it in print see what all they talk about. Well, the latest issue is the 25 coolest film festivals. In the world for 2018, so uh, you know, no surprises. I don't think. What What's the top one, or or do you want to build up to that? <laughs> well, the top one is AFI. Oh, okay. So that's not a surprise. Nope. Well, here's one: the Big Ears Festival in Tennessee. I haven't heard about that one. There, there's a lot of film festivals in. You know, when they say the top ten or whatever, I mean there are, I gotta say, thousands, right? I mean, how do you select the top ten? You know, without well, seeing and, the all yeah, of them. Yeah, and these 
and these aren't the best film festivals. They're they're the coolest. Oh, all right, coolest. film festivals in the world. All right. So what they say is that um, it's it's for creative people that uh, live, grow, exhibit, and of course party into the wee hours. Oh, it wouldn't so, be for I me. Guess, yeah. Unless you call 9.30 p.m. the wee hours. Because usually <laughs> yes. before I go to bed, I got to go wee. So I guess it is the wee hours for me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. That's uh, TMI. TMI. <laughs> you know what that is, right? That's a, yeah, I, I'm not that old. <laughs> Isn't that what Elvis used to say? <laughs> no, no, no. That's I don't know what he used to say. No, he used to say something. No, it wasn't TMI. <laughs> I wish I could remember now. It would be so much funnier. Too much information. But uh, what the heck did Elvis used to say? He, I don't know. He had a, I wasn't born yet. He had no, a lightning bolt necklace, and it had the letters on it, and it wasn't TMI. But, uh, you know, usually if you got to explain the joke, it's not funny anyhow, so yeah. that's probably not funny. I'm looking to see if there's any in Massachusetts, and I uh, I don't see any. So I don't think Massachusetts made the cut. For for film festivals? For the coolest film festivals, yeah. Oh. Uh, so you've got some work to do What about Woods Hole? The Woods Hole is like a big one. Yeah, it's not on here. Oh, boy. So uh, Movie Maker Magazine, uh, they always they come up with these lists quite often. Uh, they're known uh, more famously for their best uh, film schools list that they released every year. And, I, you know, they also have another uh, film festivals list. And I'm not sure if this is um, in addition to their normal list. I don't know. But very interesting. Great magazine. TCB. TC- TCB. Elvis. <laughs> it just to came to me. No, taking care of business. Oh, he used to wear a go. necklace, a lightning bolt necklace that said <laughs> TCB. I, I, you're too young for this, but. Anybody who knows Elvis, actually, they were probably yelling it like a long time. It was TCB, not TMI. <laughs> Anyhow, look that one up. Elvis, TCB. You'll see it. It's a, it, we used to wear a lightning bolt TCB. He used to give them out to people made of gold, of course. So the next time we do a podcast, be sure to remind me, uh, don't let you eat strawberries. Well, I got blueberries, raspberries. <laughs> it's a mix that because, I'm eating. Strawberries, because, raspberries, blueberries are really like whacking me out. Because I'm not sure what's going on here. Yeah, I don't know what's in them. But, uh, yeah. So uh, we want to know your film festival stories. Tweet us at BorgesFilm or email info at Borges.com. And of course, if you get into a film festival, we always love to hear that. Um, that's a big deal for filmmakers. If you got into a festival, by all means, send us an email. We'll talk about it. We'll I, brag about it. I'd like to hear about different people's stories and yeah. how, not only how they got into them or the fact that they were into them, but the process and and the ups and downs of it would be interesting to hear. Yes, absolutely. We are, by the way, on Podbean, which is calorie free. It is. And we're on iTunes, so you can take your pick. You can listen to both if you want. I listen to a podcast and it goes right to my hips. <laughs> on the show today is the guy with the hat, John Dragonis. And uh, he is the uh, guru, the Zen manager of crowdfunding for filmmakers, and he's the author of Crowdfunding for Filmmakers, The Way to a Successful Film Campaign. We're going to talk to John about building a fan base before you actually launch your campaign. So uh, Let's take a break uh, really quick, and we'll be right back with John Tregonis, the author of Crowdfunding for Filmmakers.
That's one thing Alfred Hitchcock was really good at, creating suspense with a camera. For the last couple of years, I've been teaching Hitchcock suspense techniques at festivals like Buffalo, St. Louis, Palm Springs, Los Angeles. Filmmakers are learning easy tricks for building suspense that are so easy to implement. Now there's a way for you to get access in my new book, Suspense with a Camera. It's available in bookstores now. And don't miss our free docuseries on YouTube called Hitch 20. Okay, so uh, those of you that are interested in the crowdfunding scene, if you've uh, maybe you're afraid to try it, uh, maybe you're afraid to dive in, and uh, maybe you've already done it and, and failed, and uh, are just looking for advice on uh, how to uh, fix things the next time around, uh, we have the uh, world's foremost uh, expert in crowdfunding for filmmakers, John T. Tregonis, uh the guy with the hat. <laughs> Uh, he's a creative writer and author of Crowdfunding for Filmmakers, The Way to a Successful Film Campaign. And for us, from 2013 to 18, uh, he was Indiegogo's film and creative campaign strategist. And he advised lots and lots and lots of campaigns, including Super Troopers 2. Which was shot in my area. Parts of wow. it. Wow. Wow. I'm going to mention that to John. Okay. Um, He was also advisor to campaigns like Code 8 and Con Man and Star Trek Axanar, which uh, controversial as it turns out. Uh, But John now puts his prowess for crowdfunding to use as a private consultant, campaign manager, and speaker, all while working on his own various writings for film, TV, and the printed page. John, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been uh, been a while. Yeah, thanks for coming back. We've had you on a couple times. Uh, You are a wealth of knowledge about crowdfunding, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Let's talk about um, what you're up to lately, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about crowdfunding. So just tell us a bit about what you're up to now. Awesome, yeah. So... um... Yes, as you know, I was uh, I was working for the past five years uh, doing crowdfunding strategy, which is basically like consultation uh, specifically mm-hmm. for Indiegogo. I was working for them uh, all those years, and uh, recently I left Indiegogo to pursue some uh, well, some you know new endeavors, uh, and also kind of do the uh, crowdfunding thing on the side. So I'm still in there. I'm still still you know pimping my book out there into the world and <laughs> helping people in a lot of different ways, which, you know, kind of makes me sleep really well at night. Um, but, uh, you know, I just needed some more time to get some of my own personal projects going. So now I've kind of got the best of both worlds. I get to do the crowdfunding stuff and, and, you know, and that kind of means now more consultation and campaign management, which has been definitely fun. I've, I've worked with a lot of campaign managers in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've only run probably a handful of campaigns. Awesome. And, uh, and your book is in its second edition now? Yeah. Yeah, it's doing pretty well. Uh, second edition, my publisher, uh, Michael Weesey Productions, mm-hmm. uh, back in two, late 2015, uh, asked if I'd do a second edition because things were changing in crowdfunding. They change every, every week, yeah. practically. I mean, 
you know, now we're now we're into like cryptocurrency and mm. you know ICOs and equity crowdfunding, which is touched upon in the first edition very lightly and touched upon in the second edition a little bit more, but still, you know, not not fully as much as as, as it's you know as it's been coming out uh, these days. These other types of crowdfunding, but yeah, the the second edition uh, still kind of helps uh, uh, specifically indie filmmakers really run a great campaign, whether you're trying to raise $2,000 or even $500 or as much as like $2 million, you know, it can kind of work that whole gamut, lots of tips, lots of tactics. My publisher said they wanted 30, uh, 30% new material, Mm -hmm. like 45. All right. So let's get some advice. Um, Let's give filmmakers some advice uh, and and how they can um, do stuff. So we'll start with how to build a fan base first before launching a campaign. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And and this is the, a thing that I talk about the most because it's the hardest part. And and mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't build an audience before you crowdfund, you are probably not going to raise much money if any in 2018 and beyond. It's just I want to get that out there to everybody. You have to have a built-in audience Back in 2010, no, you didn't. You could have built it on Twitter, on Facebook while you were crowdfunding because it was such a fresh new thing. Now it's a mandatory part of almost every independent film project. So it's integral that we spend a lot of time on social media, spend a lot of time on email. Yes, email. The, the, this, this crazy thing that's like the precursor for all social media, the first social media, OG, uh, that we kind of forget about, and I'll tell the, and I'll, I'll give the reason why we can't forget about the email, is a very simple one: is we own the audience when we own their emails. This is something that m- me myself didn't fully understand. I built a following on Twitter through constant talking with people about films, about all the things I like, and they organically started following me commenting on stuff. We had good rapports on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to a point. And then when I crowdfunded, those people were among the first people alongside my friends and family to give money. And I see that happening time and again, but I never had those people's email addresses. It was Mm. all done on social. And that's fine as long as Facebook, Twitter, and all these rest of them are going to stand the test of time. The issue is we don't know if they will. If Facebook falls next year and that's where you built your audience, you lose your entire audience that you've built, that you've spent years building up. Because if you don't have that email address that for most people do does not change all that often, you don't have an audience. Mm-hmm. So, that's, that's true. It's scary. It, it's kind of scary to think like, oh, my God, post-apocalyptic world of no Twitter. What would we do? <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, I look forward to the day when Facebook's gone, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. But um, but for right now, we got to use it. We got to build those audiences, but we got to find ways to get people to give us that coveted email address, not so we can spam them and overuse it and then throw 10 emails a week at them while we're campaigning, but so we have access to them. And that's what crowdfunding is becoming access to people, not just capital or money. It's got to be access to people. So we use social media to basically introduce people to who we are as human beings, as filmmakers, as creators of any kind. And then we get their email and we try to give them some additional value 
through the email, not twice a week, once a week, maybe once every two weeks, something that they're not really seeing on Facebook and Twitter so that they have a reason now to pay attention to your actual email when you send it. And that way, uh, a kind of easy way, I like to give this little tip of how to really get those email addresses in is when you start talking to people about your campaign that hasn't launched yet, ask them to sign up on your website or on this landing page that you set up for your campaign with their email to get early bird, uh, early bird deals on the perks that you're going to be offering. Everybody loves a deal, even though it's crowdfunding and we can't really afford to give a deal because we need all the money we can get. Uh, give a little bit of a deal. Even 10% is just a reason for somebody to say, hey, man, I'll be among the first people to help this filmmaker out. I'm in. Email. You've got that person for the long haul. Awesome. Uh, you talked about friends and family donating. What is a, a good way to ask friends and family um, cause not only do you have their email, but you actually have their addresses and their phone numbers. How do you do that? Uh, it's a very, it's very difficult actually, because family and friends are, are the people who typically want to contribute towards the end mm -hmm. and we need them at the beginning. So how do we convince them? I mean, honestly, there are friends and family. If they're not going to give even $5 that I like to use that, that, metaphor of a latte, right? We all drink, mm -hmm. you know, these fancy lattes for $5. Let's skip one for one week and you can support your brother or your sister. Even if you don't like your brother or your sister, <laughs> you can still support them yeah. uh, in that way. So it really, it really isn't about convincing them. Well, I, I'll take that back. It sort of is about convincing them because if, especially if you're the youngest, yeah, you're kind of like, you know, you're the, the dreamer, the one who's like, you know, got all these crazy ideas and your family's not even sure they're ever going to amount to anything. Um, you know, it's kind of imperative to just explain to them the straight up truth that with crowdfunding, most campaigns are successful if they get about 30% of the funding within the first three days. Mm -hmm. That's usually a really quick way to get people to say, you know what, let me just put in a quick five bucks. Let me put it in yeah. and get them to this magical number so that other people will start contributing to their campaign and they can leave me alone. Go for the, the crowd mentalities. mentalities. Exactly. You know, but it's, it's tough because like family and friends, mostly family, families, the ones that definitely want to wait till the end. They're mm -hmm. the tougher, tougher ones to convince. Friends will typically put in, you know, smaller amounts right at the beginning. Uh, and then you can always later on go back to those folks and, and, add value to their perks and say, Hey, if you know, you put in five bucks early on, if you put in another 10, we're going to throw in all of this cool stuff and we'll give you a shout out or something. You know, mm -hmm. you can kind of upsell them a little bit later on down the line, but it, the, the, the immediate need is to get them in to get that first 30% within the first three days of the campaign so that you can show the rest of the crowd that yes, this campaign is moving and I need to be a part of this thing before it gets before it gets too successful. And then it's, you know, too successful for me. What are some good perks? And should you kind of focus the perks towards family and friends and a mix towards people that you don't know? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I think so. There's, there's those there's a bunch of those audiences. Right. So there's the family and friends. There's the the community audience. Uh, and then there's the audience, period. Right. And, you know, we're, we're filmmakers. Right. It's like 
you know, yeah, we have a great film community, especially on Twitter. I love that film community. But again, half of those people that support you may not want to watch your actual film. They just support you because you're an indie filmmaker struggling just like they are, right? So they're going to give to you because you're a mirror reflection of them. That's not necessarily your audience. Your audience are people that like horror if you're making a horror film. And they're going to be the ones that you have to cater most of your perks to. I would say don't really care about your friends and family. They're going to give whatever, and they'll be happy to get anything. Sometimes they're happy to get nothing in return. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if they get a cool T-shirt, you know, that's great. You know, and and I'm not a big fan of the merchandise. I, I can get a little more into that as well. But, you know, that's sometimes a quick thing to do. I would focus on, number one, the experience-driven perks for your number one audience. Um, And experiential perks, in my book, I call them uh, high-definition perks. I have three types uh, that are mentioned in my book. The standard definition, which is all the merchandise, mugs, and lapel pins, which they're cool, but they're not special. They're just like, hey, it's a nice little value. It's something physical. High-definition being experience-driven. So again, being on the set, snapping the clapper and calling action. Mm. Somebody out there will pay 50 bucks, 100 bucks, shit, maybe even 200 bucks or 300 bucks to do that because it makes them feel like a filmmaker, which is the coolest thing to feel like in the world. Um, so we know that they, you know, where we take it for granted, they, they feel that way for sure. Um, where it's like, that's cool. I will do that and I will pay money to get out of my everyday nine to five for a couple of hours. So that's the audience that we want to kind of cater those types of experiences to. Then there are the third type of perk, which is three dimensional, which are very, very personalized to the audience that makes the movie about them in a certain way. So what I mean is, I always give my example of uh, my film, you know, that I crowdfunded a, a while ago, back in 2010, Cerise, which was about a former spelling bee champion who was haunted by the word that took him down. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a poet, so I'm all about words. Yeah. This is a movie about words. So I created a perk where I would write a person a poem in the form of their name, which is the most important word that they're ever going to have. And I sold a ridiculous amount of those. You know, they started low. I included it at every perk level. So if you did $500 and we had a few of those, you still got me to write you a poem that was your name. And it was some of the best poems I actually wrote, to be quite honest, Um, you know, because it was like a very, very short amount of time to do it in, but they loved it. And people, I would, I was trying to fulfill those during the campaign as well, which is something that not everybody can do. Mm. But what I found out was when you fulfill them in a really cool design driven way, they want to share it. And then all of a sudden you get five or 10 new contributors to your campaign who want that same thing that they saw on their friend's wall. So that whole three dimensional perk then becomes marketing cool marketing and very subtle marketing for your actual campaign to get strangers, people you don't know coming on board for the film and to get this cool thing. Some experiences can be quite awesome. You know, you might be a a banker, you know, who wants to kind of get a career change, but you don't know how you put in a couple of hundred bucks to sit in the editing room with a film editor for this dinky little short film that you just threw a couple of hundred bucks at. And next thing you know, you're learning something on your dime from an actual editor and you might go off and 
you know, edit a small movie at some point, you know, mm. and change your career. Like there's, and there's been stories of that happening. So it, it happens on a regular basis. It's still the most, the easiest way and the hardest way to get an audience engaged. The only reason it's the hardest is because doing experiential and 3d perks really takes a lot of thought. Yeah. And nowadays with the hustle and bustle of 2018 and beyond, you know, people are kind of going to crowdfunding looking for a quick couple of bucks and they want to do the least amount of work possible and they want to just kind of jump on the merch bandwagon and then they're surprised when oh why didn't anybody buy my t-shirt well because it looks like everybody else's t-shirt yeah it, you know it, you're getting me excited here just talking about like these experience-based things because i love that i mm -hmm. think that's such an out-of-the-box way of thinking because you do you see the t-shirts and you see the mugs and stuff but how cool is it to like you know, come on set and, and do the clapper one day and, and actually write on it. And it kind of gets the person in front of the camera too, you know, even though it's not in the movie, they're still on the camera. And that's always exciting for, for anybody because everybody secretly wants to be a filmmaker. I think even people mm -hmm. who say they don't want to be. Yep. That's it. <laughs> so, so when you're promoting this, um, how can you, uh, let's talk about social etiquette, social, social media etiquette. How do you do this without driving people nuts like on facebook here he goes with his film again what, what's some of your advice on that number one be creative like there's there's so many bad ways to market good projects you know and and again it's easy to just say you know help make it happen for my indie film i mean you know you know i always go back to like indiegogo and kickstarter when you you know when you do that and you share something from there it highlights that because it literally says help make it happen for or check out this great project, but they highlight it for you so that with one click, you can delete it and type mm. in your own message. Mm, and that's okay. what they want you to do. But people are, you know, again, they're just, the world moves too fast. They just, they want to schedule their tweets, which I'm, you know, I'm for and I'm against at the same time, because when you schedule it, believe me, people know, they can tell, I can tell a scheduled tweet in a second. Mm -hmm. so, so you have to be a little bit creative. If you're making a movie about words, tell us a little bit, give us, play a spelling bee with us. You know, that's what I did. It didn't work as well as I wanted it to, but it was fun. And it broke the monotony of my other tweets that were saying, Hey, Cerise's hit X number of dollars. Have you backed yet? Those are fine, but they're fine once a day. Maybe, you know, we have to kind of think about it. So I tell people, Get people into the world of your film. Tell us about your film a little bit. But also, aside from tweeting about your film campaign, you got to be tweeting about other things that give value. So for every five or so tweets you put out there about value, mm -hmm. that's a film article talking about a camera or something about horror movies because you love horror, you earn one tweet about your actual film campaign. And that tweet in order to get the most amount of eyes, needs to be creatively written, needs to have some sort of an image or a GIF, needs to have one to three hashtags at the absolute most. Anything more makes it seem like it's just a big spam thing and it's amateur mm -hmm. hour at Twitter, you know. Um, same thing with like, you know, Instagram. Well, Instagram, you can obviously have, uh, you know, up to 30 tags and that's actually okay. Um, you know, and then on Facebook, you know, just kind of limit it because again, it's, it's, it's all about giving value so that you can get value. So the more it looks like you're just tweeting 
for the sake of promoting your film, you you do take a cha- a major risk of losing people's attention. And again, like I, I'm big on Twitter, even though it's kind of dwindling into you know no man's land of social media um, for for things like crowdfunding and stuff, mm-hmm. um, because it's just nobody's paying attention because there's so much stuff. Um, you know, a tweet literally has a lifespan of like seven seconds. Like that, that's, that's it. Like you, you put it out there. So you need to really be creative. That's why people make livings out of this stuff because a little bit of creativity goes a long way. Hmm. What, what, what social, social media, media outlets, outlets do you recommend most? Definitely, uh, Facebook, definitely Twitter and definitely Instagram. Everything else is kind of like not really optimized for any mm-hmm. kind of crowdfunding yet. Um, I wrote a piece that's in the second edition. It's also free online. Um, I believe it's on my medium page or it might be on a website. I should probably figure that out. If you um, the <laughs> Drop the address right now. If you, if you know it off the top of your head, uh, I don't think I do, but, uh, okay. I'll, we'll, we'll yeah. put it in the, we'll put a link to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, um, but it's basically like how, how to use Instagram for, for film campaigns. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, and again, same thing with like, you know, there's each one has its own like tips and tactics. Right. But those are the, still the three big ones. Facebook is tough. Um, the one piece of advice I'll give about Facebook is don't start a page for your short film. You, the filmmaker should be the face of the film. Hmm. Why? Because if you start a page, you have to pay for the page not up front to Facebook, but every time you want to boost that post to the 300 people you got to sign up and like the page, you have to pay to reach more than 10% of those people, which means you just don't reach anybody unless you're shelling out money. And it's not $2 a day. You're looking at like 10 to 15 to $20 a post and it adds up. And then you're like, well, where did my money go that I raised? Oh, (laughs) to try to raise money on Facebook. So don't do that. Be the filmmaker should now, especially today, be the face of the film. Do it on your personal profile page. Nobody's charging you for that. Um, Instagram is still a very good um, is a very good platform, but it's highly visual. You need video content, you need images, and you need stories. You have to be able to work the stories, the moment to moment. This is how my campaign's doing. Hey guys, I've just gone live and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my film for 25, 30 minutes on Instagram live, because that's where people's attention are, uh, is going right now. They want to see your everyday campaigning life, not just a picture here, a picture there, a video there. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of important to get comfortable on the camera because as a crowdfunding filmmaker, you will be on the camera. And then Twitter is just, you know, Twitter, it's, it's got its own rules. But again, as long as you don't overuse the hashtags, as long as you get a little bit creative with the copy so it doesn't sound like a crowdfunding campaign, uh, and as long as you're using some kind of image or more likely a GIF, people will see it. Will they contribute? Well, it all depends on how good your page looks on the actual campaign. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, John, John before, before we, we wrap, wrap, we, we kind of go, go back to somebody who just starting out like maybe hit hit me with four or five points of what where to start where to go you know we've kind of covered it in the interview but maybe a real quick recap yeah yeah absolutely so uh, i'll give you four uh three quick things maybe one more uh number one build your audience first um i recommend six months before you even think about launching a campaign then wait two more months um 
So, and, and I, and that, that doesn't always happen, but that's the smart thing to do. Build it by being on social media, figuring out ways to get those email addresses. Number two, be honest with yourself based on the community that you've built up on social media and your email list and your friends and family, set a proper goal. The goal amount is not necessarily the budget for your film. It's just not. You may need 25,000. Your family might only be able to get you 2,000. Multiply that by three, 30%, right? Multiply that by three, you should probably set a goal of no more than $10,000. At the most, you may hit that. If you get creative, you have awesome perks and things like that. So that's number two, set a proper goal based on what you know you can achieve. Realistically, third point that I would say that's super, super important, don't skimp on perks. Don't settle for the merchandise alone. Yes, people like a good lapel pin, as long as it's got good design, they can tell. But a lapel pin is going to get you 15 bucks. What's going to get you a $50 bill? That's when you start getting high definition with your perks, experiential and three-dimensional personalized. And you start making it about the audience, not about you and your film. So those are the three major points that I would totally tell anybody starting out to adhere to. And if they adhere to it like gospel, then they're going to have a fantastic campaign. And I have a fourth piece of advice. Please Get your book. Which is, yeah, yeah, let's uh, plug your book before we go. Totally. It's uh, Crowdfunding for Filmmakers, The Way to a Successful Film Campaign, second edition. You can get it on Amazon. I think it's pretty inexpensive on Amazon. It's also pretty inexpensive at the publisher, uh, Michael Weesey at MWP.com. So pick it up there, give it a read. And then start building that audience. That's uh, that's what I would say. And if uh, if they want any extra advice, they can check me out. Uh, if they Google Trigonus, you know, and crowdfunding for film, they will come up with a bunch of articles that I've written for various websites that give uh, give snippets of my book and also some brand new stuff that are is not included in my book. All right, John, you the man. Thanks for joining us uh, today on this episode. And you know somebody else we could talk to? Uh, I got a book. It's called The Virgin's Journey. It's it's like the hero's journey, except it's a from a woman's okay, we, point of view. Yeah, this is a this is a family show. Well, that's the name of the book, <laughs> <laughs> and it's from Michael Weesey. What? Look, look it up. Oh boy! It's like the hero's journey, except it's it's the virgin's journey, not sexual, but meaning she hasn't <laughs> seen the world yet, and then she travels, and it's just a. I don't know it's a little different. I have the book. It's a nice cover and look it up. You don't believe me. So that's our show for today. We thank John Tregonis, the guy with the hat, for joining us today. I have a hat. Okay. It's a it's a baseball hat. Okay. Really the Filmcast is a production of is that it? Networks 2018. <laughs> that was our close. I'm done. I thought we were still chatting. <laughs>